0: For the news and announcements. Everybody say, get on board again. On board. Ale- Hebrews eleven six. 6. If you've got your Bible and you want to go to where we're going to land, go to Genesis 6. But I'm going to start in Hebrews 11. The Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God. Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. And the person that comes to God must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently... Seek him. The writer goes on to say in verse 7, well, he's going way back in time here. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, when he was told about what was to come, he moved with fear and he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which, in building that ark, he condemned the world. But because he took action on what he said he believed, he became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Faith means to act as if a thing were true. Whoo, we should just shut the Bible and go home right there. That's it. Did you hear what I said? Faith. I ain't talking about speaking it. I ain't talking about sitting in one of them chairs. Faith is to act. Act. As if a thing were true. Now we just cut a big line in what most of us think faith is and what faith actually is. How do we know Noah, followed by everybody else in Hebrews 11, which is called the Hall of Faith, all these Old Testament people, how do we know they had faith? Because to all of their faith, you see action. They did something based on what they believed And all of this faith and all of this action, watch this, it was all tied to opportunity. Everybody say that word with me, opportunity. Not just any opportunity, but God-sized opportunity. God presented opportunities, and with every opportunity, God was testing the faith of each participant. Let me say this. When God opens a door, it is paramount that you do not miss that God-sized opportunity. When you walk by faith, faith will place you in front of a shut door. When you walk by faith, faith will have you praying in front of a shut door. And when you walk by faith, faith will have you preparing in front of a shut door. Can I submit to you, a lot of people miss the door of opportunity when it opens because they were never placed in front of it while it was shut. They were never praying in front of it while it was shut. And bless God, they were never preparing in front of it while it was shut. A lot of times we want God to swing it wide open when we're way down here on the other end of the hallway. And we want God to keep it open for 10 years when we're ready to walk through it. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes God allows the door to stay shut to open you up. I'm going to say that again. It was good, Lynn. It was. I'm going to say it again. God allows the door to stay shut to open you up. And when doors open, we must be ready to walk through them in our story. That we get that we now look we get we get it just touched on in Hebrews 11. But if we really want to get into the roots of this story, we got to go back to Genesis chapter six, to where Noah was presented with an idea from God. He was given an opportunity connected to that idea. God presents Noah. I'm about to get to the text here in a second. God gives Noah a god-sized opportunity. It was a very big opportunity. It's 500 feet long. 75 feet wide. It was 50 feet tall. A very, very large opportunity. The size of uh, about 1.5 football fields. Cargo enough to not only house two of all creation, but of plenty of other human beings. And this opportunity started in God's head. This was God's idea. And God took this idea and created a plan and he passed that plan across the table to Noah and included Noah in on the plan. Let's go, let's go bird's eye view for a second, check this out. In this day and age, what we see right here, we all know God flooded the earth, but we don't really get into the reasoning and the truth behind why God flooded the earth. It's very simple. There was a giant chess match going on between God and the devil. Satan was infiltrating the human race and hijacking humanity's DNA. If you look at the very first part of Genesis 6, you will read some crazy, cra- I'm talking crazy stuff. They ain't going to tell you down in the public school. It ain't going to be on Fox News. And ain't most people going to dare tackle it in a pulpit on a Sunday morning. But Satan was infiltrating the DNA of the human race with angelic beings that were sleeping with the daughters of men. I'm talking some Alex Jones junk going on right here in Genesis chapter 6. Are you hearing me? We see, we see this, 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 this overwhelming sense of evil in the world. In fact, the Bible says that the days of humanity had become so wicked that the thoughts and the imaginations of man's heart, listen to this, was evil continually. God could not find no good upon the face of the earth, and so God had a plan. God was going to not only destroy humanity, but God was also going to rebirth humanity. It is amazing that we picture the flood as a time of destruction, when in reality, the flood was a time of revival. For God was doing a new thing. Everybody say, new thing. Amen. God was doing a new thing. And the Bible teaches and tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. We don't have to go to a bloody cross or an empty tomb to find grace. For the law of first mention tells us that grace presented itself in Genesis chapter six between God and Noah. It was grace that included Noah in the big plan of God. It was grace that involved Noah in the big plan of God. It was grace that invited Noah into the big plan of God. Can I stop and submit to you in 2020, there is still a chess match going on between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The devil and God are still at war. The angelic beings still clash in the heavenlies. And Bible. Teaches and tells us that we as humanity are caught right in the middle of the biggest chess match in the universe. But can I tell you, you cannot corner my king because my God always has another move. And today, just like in the days of Noah, here in the last days, God has a plan, and that plan hinges on a door called grace. And my Bible teaches and tells me that the grace of God is has included and involved and invited every man and woman in this room. I wonder if I've got any Noahs sitting under the sound of my voice that say I want to jump on board with whatever God is doing, with whatever God is starting, with whatever God is building. I don't know about you, honey, but this world is not my home. And I believe the king of all kings still has another Move, you can't take his crown, you can't corner him. Is there anybody in the room that says, I want to be a part of God's plan? Include me, involve me, invite me. If grace will let me on board with what God is building, honey, make room for me in my house. Make room for me in new grace. Make room for me and you. Somebody better help me praise him if you know God still has a plan. God, help me. I got to go to Sunday school. Hang on, hang on. Noah was not about to miss this opportunity from God. So what'd he do? He got on board with God's plan. Wow. What a day to be at New Grace. Here we are presented with a big opportunity to do something about what's going on in the world. Here we are presented with an opportunity to build something for God, something that could leave behind a legacy, something that could preserve the souls of humanity, something that can change the homeless demographic, something that can impact the recovery demographic. Something that can change the marriages of men and women in this room. Something that can give hope to the next and the new generation. Something that can redefine church as we know it. I wanna stop and testify in Sunday school and tell you, I am so glad that God made me a part of a lively church. I am so glad that we are not dried up, dehydrated or dead. I'm glad there is no autopsy or a funeral plan for this church. I'm so thankful that it is alive. I'm so thankful that it's vibrant. I'm so thankful that God shows up, that he speaks up. I'm so thankful that worship is in order. I'm so thankful that preaching is in order. I'm so thankful that praise is all right. I'm so thankful that we are the church. We're not weak, we're not anemic, we're not dead or dried up. We are the church of the living God. He is full and in charge and he is still pumping life into the body. Yes, yes, that was a commercial, it's free. God has a plan. And with that plan, He invites every man and woman in this room, every person that names the name of Christ as a believer, he invites you to come build this boat, to partake in this project, to get on board with his plan, starting with your life and his church. I believe the pinnacle of true fulfillment is when you are on board with what God has for you and his church. Now, there's a lot of people on board with what he has for them, but they're not on board for what he has for the church. And there's a lot of people that want to ride shotgun with what God's doing in the church, but they don't want to let him call the shots on their own life. And I want to submit to you That the pinnacle of true fulfillment in God's kingdom and plan is when you get on board with what he's doing for you and what he's doing in his church. So I want to show you three things out of Noah's story. God slides the plan. He says in chapter six, and he says in verse number 13, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence through all of humanity through these giant hybrid monsters. I'm going to destroy them with the earth. I want you to make an ark out of wood. It's okay, Noah. Nobody's ever had to build a boat before. But I want you to build this boat and I want you to pitch it within and without with pitch. I want you, watch this, here it is, I want you to build this for me. The same sovereign finger points in your face today. It says, I want you to build this for me. You sit in this auditorium today, It's not a mistake that you're here. You are smack dab in the middle of the plan of God for your life. And he says to you, Andrew Durham, he says, I want you to build this for me. This construction project Noah ain't about you. I want you to build this for me. Here's what I want you to keep in mind. If you're going to be a part of this church, you're going to let God build your life. You're going to let God build that marriage. You're going to let God build your future. You're going to let God build your ministry and your calling, whatever it is. And here's, here's the beauty of this right now. I'm speaking to people that have an entrepreneur spirit and you want to start your own business. This involves you. There are people in this room, and and it is very important to you that you do not walk in the same steps that your parents walked. You break some cycles and do something with your future that they never did. And it is important that you walk through that plan with God. There are people in this room, you feel that your life... The purpose in which you exist to serve is the ministry of God's church in which you serve the Lord by serving people. There are preachers of the gospel in this room. There are future small group leaders in this room. There are people that will leave this church and they will pastor another campus of this church. There are people that will leave this church and they will go to another state and start a church. There are people that will leave... I feel God when I say that stuff. There are people that will leave this church and you will go overseas in mission work and God will use you to reach those where Christ is not named. He wants to build that with you. He wants to do it with you. If you're going to get on board, you gotta know these three things. Because getting on board with God's plan comes with Provision. Everybody say provision. I wrote this down. God gave Noah what he needed in order to do what God told him to do. Not very revolutionary, is it? But we forget that. He gave Noah what he didn't have to do something that had never been done. When we started this church, God put it in my heart to do something that I had never seen before. It would have been very easy to duplicate what I had known. But God put something in my heart and in Ashley's heart that didn't have Baptists in the name in it. God put something in our heart that didn't have a choir with three-piece suits and dresses. Nothing wrong with it. I was in it, part of it, Let it. Watch God fall all over it. But God, God took all the roots that we had. God took all the roots and how I was taught to preach and communicate the gospel and worship. And he said, we're we gonna, we gonna have some coffee in the lobby. We're not gonna have Baptists in the sign. We're gonna have no carpet in the auditorium. We're gonna have chairs and not pews. We ain't gonna have no sign up there that tells us how many people didn't come to Sunday school last week. We're gonna just, no hymn books. A movable pulpit. Yeah. Yeah. We we we're just gonna do it different. Yeah. God said, We're gonna do a new thing. And I'm and you're gonna you're gonna train and teach people for the ministry to go out and take this beautiful thing I'm doing, redefining church as we know it, and we're just gonna spread it like jam all over. Yeah. And I knew in order for me to do what God wanted me to do, and the same applies to your life, he would have to give me what I didn't have to do something that I had never done. And when God provided for Noah in this project, he gave him three things. It's gonna sound really funny when I say them. So I'm gonna tell you what they are, then I'm gonna backtrack and explain them to you. He gave him three things. He gave him, are you ready? Watch this. He gave him a forest. He gave him food. And he gave him favor. Amen. Now I can tell y'all been taught, all right, all y'all looking at the screen to see them words pop up. They ain't gonna pop up. <laughs> when you, well, hold on, whoa, back up, back up, back up. He gave him a forest. Of course he did. He gave him a forest. He said, you build a boat. He did not give him a boat. Amen. He gave him trees. Amen. God never created a chair. He created a tree, and he told man to make a chair. God's never made a table. He made man, and he told man how to make a table. Man took the tree and made a table. God ain't ever made a boat, but God put it in the heart of man, slid it across the table and said, build this like this for me. And he gave him everything he needed. Oh, you, you didn't hear what I just said. He gave him every. Everything he needed to build it, he already had it. But you got to cut it down. You got to cut it up. And you got to cut it in if you want to use it to build what God told you to build. He gave him, everybody say food. Like it's lunchtime, say food. Like you're thinking of Zaxby's, say food. Let me get back on track. The Bible says in Genesis 6 that he was giving him enough food for the entire cruise. God gave him everything he would need to make it. I, I remember thinking about this, man. So God thought of everything here. He built the boat big enough to not just house Noah and anybody that wanted to get on board, but also two of every, clean, two of every unclean animal, seven of every clean animal. Clean meaning used for sacrifice. So so he had to have enough food for all the animals, right? So he had to have enough food for his family, right? And so he had two of every unclean animal. So there were two coral snakes, there were two hyenas, there were two jackrabbits, right? Unclean. But he had seven of every clean. Why? Because when he got off the ark, he was going to be worshiping. And so you got to have animals of sacrifice in worship. So he had seven, five. He's going to offer up five. Five is the number of death in Bible numerology. Take it for what it is. He would have five that he would sacrifice to God in worship after the ark. Now, that means he had two coral snakes, he had two hyenas, and he had two jackrabbits, but he had seven turtle doves, he had seven lambs, he had seven bulls, he had seven heifers, he had seven rams. Are you getting this? So he's got to have enough food for all these animals. And I I, I never had this thought, but I had this thought. And I asked Ashley when I had this thought, I said, wait a second. What the heck did he feed the lion? And the hyena. How do you keep the hyena from eating a jackrabbit? Or how do you keep the hyena from eating a turtle dove? And then I thought, we got a problem here. Because it just says he has two of every unclean and seven of every clean. What did he do for food? Did he have to put other animals on there? Because they didn't name that in the animals. And then I thought, wait a second. A bigger miracle would be God turning a hyena into a herbivore for a cruise. I mean, if He can give a lion lockjaw in, in, in Daniel's lion's den, surely He can teach a teach a lion to eat vegan for a little while, right? But then I thought, wait a second. A, a bigger miracle than that is that the lion didn't eat Noah. I mean, you go from general contractor to zookeeper in a matter of minutes here. But I got thinking, what's a bigger miracle than that? The fact that he got two of every animal and seven of every clean animal to actually get on the darn boat. You ever tried to get your dog to get in its bed? Huh? You ever tried to catch a bird in a house? Right? You finally give up, boom, right? We'll fix that later. God didn't just give him food, he gave him favor. Amen. Say favor. favor. You know how I know he gave him favor? God started making things happen that didn't make any sense. How do you get animals to follow you on board of a boat The only thing I can chalk it up is when God gave him grace, which is favor, God started making things happen that didn't make sense. You know why? His job wasn't to be zookeeper. His job was to be general contractor. God said, you build it, I'll make sure there's food. You build it, I'll make sure there's trees. You build it, I'll make sure Simba and Fido fall in line and get on board. When you start doing what it is God told you to do, things that don't make any sense scientifically, biologically, or mentally start connecting because God's got a plan. And if God's got a plan, God's gonna let you build what he told you to build. God provided it. Watch this. When you get on board with God's plan, it comes with a promise. It comes with a promise. Look at this verse right here. Behold, He said, I don't want you to get this twisted. Let me tell you where this is going to come from. I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Noah, I am going to make it rain. I wrote this down. Here is the promise of God If you build the boat, I will make it float. It is not your job to make it rain. I feel a rap song coming on right there. It's not your job to make it rain because rain is a response from God. Rain is the heavens responding to earth. And my Bible tells me that we have a God that promises to move heaven over what you and I build for him. I wonder if there's anybody in this room who ever built anything that made God move heaven and earth. If you've ever been a part of anything that made the earth stand still and God opened up the floodgates of glory and he rained down blessings and provision and promise much that you did not have room enough to receive it. Here's the deal, you can't make it rain, but God can. And what, we, what you and I need to unlock a blessing and a breakthrough and provision of revival is not going to come from this world. It's not going to come from some psychological agenda. It's not going to come from some some program that we implement here, creativity. It is going to come from a response of God to what he told us to build. I wrote this down. For everybody that thinks they want to be a pastor, for everybody that thinks they want to be the CEO, for everybody that thinks they want to be an executive, for everybody that thinks they want to manage, lead, or be in charge. It's not your job to get what you built to the water. God will bring the water to what you build. You build it, I'll make it rain. You build it, and I'll do what you are not able to do. It's funny, our church... I mean, some of you, you've only been here maybe a year or less. There's a lot of you between both gatherings that you've been here for a while, and and you're familiar with all the obstacles, all the opposition, and all the opportunities. And it's funny because all three of those words are really wrapped into the same category. Every opposition's always been an opportunity with God in this church. We've, we've been through so many challenges and so many changes, and I mean, we the name of the church has changed twice. Yes. We started as New Grace Tabernacle. That's what was in my heart. New Grace Tabernacle. And I realized nobody knows what the heck a tabernacle is. <laughs> People hear tabernacle I'm like is that what, what, what is that? What does that mean? What do they do in there? Tabernacle. That sounds intimidating. I think I'll stay home. So we changed it, we changed it to new grace and there's no space in between, get it right. It's together, new grace, right? New grace. (laughs) Wherever Joe Lazenby is, she can so appreciate what I just said. And then we merged with the torch. There's a space between that. And that was for a season. We wrote down, Pastor Mike Franklin's name, God. This man knows something I need to know. And God he did. God he did. God is so sovereign. God is so smart. God's got it so much more figured out than I do. And it was just for a season. And then we hit the eject button like goose. And we landed back on our feet as new grace. And I remember thinking, I can't believe that we're still doing this together. Right? Like you gotta understand, when I started the church in the movie theater, it was like, I hope this works. I hope this doesn't work. Because I had told God I wasn't doing it again, right? We started this church to get God to leave us alone. What a God. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Here we sit as new grace again. It was an opportunity. We're standing in front of a shut door. million, we could buy 30,000 square feet of this property. You can't build 30,000 square feet for less than 6 million on a piece of property around here. $1 million for 30,000 square feet. At that time, a bank would give you 20%. You you have 20%, we'll give you the loan. Now, COVID-19 crashed that party with most banks. But at that point, it was, if you, get, you take up 20%, we will we'll, that, that, that doesn't buy the sprinkler system. It doesn't help us build everything out, but a million dollars, we could own it and put a stake in the ground, and this could be our home, right? We said, all right, if we're gonna do it, we got 90 days. We took up $200,000 in 90 days. I don't think you heard me. I said, we took up $200,000 in 90 days. Still got every dime of it. You know why? Because <laughs> the door never opened. They changed their mind. Y'all remember that conversation? I came here and said, well, they changed their mind. And y'all, about, y'all had the dumbfounded look that I had the whole week. They changed their mind. We're just going to sit here again. And, 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 you know, you come through door after door after door. And, and you forget, you forget when you're standing down here at this door, And you're waiting, you're looking at the doorknob, waiting on it to turn. It's so tempting to get one of y'all to pick the lock. It's so tempting to to get one of y'all to kick it in. It's so so tempting, And, and, and God has to remind me that doors of opportunity... Don't open from this side. They open from this side. And it's, it's it's so hard when you're sitting there watching and you're waiting and you're you're working, you're trying to build this thing, and you're trying to watch God grow this thing and you're trying to steer and you're trying to plan and you're trying to pray, and you're trying to stay focused. You for, you forget there was a door back here that you thought would never open. But God was faithful. And the same God that said build the boat is the same God that can make it rain. And he started opening door after door. And then you find yourself in this hallway. And here, here we are. Look at us. Look at us. All several hundred of us walking through this hallway. Whether, whether you know it or not, welcome to the party. We're here in the hallway. And we're looking at this closed door. And here we are. And, and we, we don't have enough to get through the next door. And it doesn't seem like the door is going to open. And sometimes what God blesses is the process of elimination. Because yes. you, you do what Jesus said. You ask, seek, knock. You ASK. You ask, seek, knock. You ASK. You, you ask. You, you seek. That's why you got here. And you knock. And you knock. And, and, and the voice that calls from you, when you hear it come from another door, you realize this isn't the door. And we, and we, and we sit here... And it's easy to forget the same God that told you to build it is the same God you have to believe for it. And you don't lose faith in the hallway. Here's something else you forget. When you're sitting here waiting on that door to open and you're waiting on it to rain and you're waiting on God to provide and you're waiting on the promises of God. Sometimes you forget the third thing and that is the people that God gave you for the plan. God has a plan, and that plan comes with everybody say it with me. People, like you're ready for me to close, say people. People. That'll get you to shout. I wrote this down Did Noah build the ark by himself? Now, your response is the same as mine. No, but there is nothing in here. There is nothing in here. I've searched it. Look in Genesis, go through all your minor prophets, look at Hebrews. Nothing says somebody helped him. The assumption and the implications are fair. He probably had help. But who helped him? We we don't know. But God told me to tell you and share this with you today because it may help you as you try to build for God's plan. It is time that you and I recognize the people God puts in our life because they are part of the plan. Watch this. Noah had a dad named Methuselah and a grandfather named Lamech. Methuselah died five years before the flood. Lamech died the year of the flood. Not in the flood, the year of the flood. It took him 120 years to build it. 120 years of construction on this boat and his daddy died five years before the flood his granddaddy died the year of the flood what makes you think that his extended family wasn't helping him build this construction project which leads me to this I wrote this down there are some people that will start building with you but they won't be around to ride. I read a book called Launch in 2013 from a pastor from New York. He talked about when you launch a church. He said, 90% of your launch team won't be with you after 12 months. And I remember going, not my team, (laughs) never. (laughs) Whoever I start with, I shall finish with. He knew what he was talking about. Not everybody that starts with you is going to ride with you. And that's not a negative connotation. That is, God puts people at certain seasons into your life to help contribute to what he's building with you. And they may build it and never ride. I got to thinking, Noah was probably a pretty wealthy guy. And what makes us think that he didn't hire anybody to help him? Wait a second, wait a second. I thought everybody, now you're thinking what I'm thinking. I thought everybody else in the world was wicked and ungodly. You're telling me he hired an unbeliever? Why not? Why not? You work for one. You work with one. Some work with you. You know, we got this crazy idea. and We limit God like God can't use somebody that ain't just like us. Now, I know the goal here is to evangelize the unbeliever. But, you know, God can use a Pharaoh like he can use a Jezebel, like he can use a Judas, like he can use a Saul. Are you hearing me? Somet- I wrote this down. Sometimes God will use people that were never really on board with him or you, but they'll be seasonal. And even if it's for an incentive with strings attached, they'll still contribute to what God's doing in your life. You know how we started this church? You know, you know how? <laughs> Let me tell you how we started this church. I quit preaching, said I'd never do it again. That was a two-year time period. I ended up working for a guy who did not have a saved bone in his body. We bought and sold gold and silver. That's what we did. And I, And God used me, gave me favor with this guy who was a proclaimed and intelligent atheist God brought me into his circle of influence. I was very trusted by him, and we, and I worked up to become director of growth in that company. Do you know what I learned in that company? More about corporate management, leadership, and organization than I learned in four years of Bible college. Amen. Do you know what I said? Went to Bible college to learn how to preach, but he put me at Southeast Gold Exchange to teach me how to manage people, how to lead, how to be organized, how to hire and fire, how to have a plan, a vision, and stick to it how to implement things, how to have protocol and process and policy, things you have to have to grow a church in 2020 that you didn't need in 1976. One of the greatest tools he ever used in my life wasn't saved. So stop thinking you're working for the wrong company. And stop thinking that you you can't be a godly person because you're around ungodly influence. But if I'm around these people, it's going to make me want to cuss. Actually, it ain't about you cussing. Actually, this is about you becoming conformed to the image of Christ so you can fulfill the will of God in your life. This has got nothing to do with whether or not you're going to be cussing tomorrow. In fact, if I don't want to cuss because these people make me want to cuss, this is the biggest problem you got going on. You need a bigger problem. It's going to rain. There's a flood coming. It's going to kill everybody. You need a bigger problem. I wrote this down. We know that eight people were on the boat. And by our standards of measuring success, Noah failed. Now, me and you are here today, so we don't think he failed. Right? But by our standards, Jesus failed. Three and a half years of miracle-making ministry, and you got 12 people, and all of them forsook you and fled? But we wouldn't say that. Now we're on the other side of that. We see that he did succeed. Eight people. And who were the eight people? It was his family. I want you to hear this. If you hear anything else about God's plan for your life and this church, I want you to hear this. Listen very closely. There are a few people that will build it with you and ride with you. This is family there are few people that will build it with you and ride with you. This is family. What's your last name? What is it? Shout it loud and proud. Grizzle. Grizzle. You know what my last name is? Anglin. Are we related in this world? Are we related in the world to come? Yes. We're family. We build it together. We ride together. What's your last name, Sam? We're not related in this world, but we are in the one to come. We're family. We build it together. We ride it together. What's your last name, Kenny? Bus. Busby. <laughs> we're family. We're family, Mr. Jennings. We're family, Miss Hammond. Daddy, what's your last name? Hey, hey we're related. <laughs> All this work, 120 years. Here's what I want you to get. All this work. This, this huge plan, this, this giant plan that the creator of the universe brought Noah into, and he had eight people. There will be few people that build it with you and ride it with you. And the reason for that is very few people actually believe it's going to rain. Very people hear what you hear. Very few people see what you see. Very few people are buying ponchos and umbrellas. Are you hearing me? There's probably been 2,000 people come through this place. Isn't that crazy? But there's very few people that are family. I I might not, here's what's cool. I might not even know your first name yet. Now you're going to come to dinner at my house. Right? (laughs) But the common bond we share is we know what Jesus said as it was in the days of Noah. Hey, listen, listen, listen. I'm not politically correct. I'm never going to try to be. I don't care what you're doing on the 4th, but I want you to hear me out. You do realize It matters if you vote, and your vote matters, but I want to tell you this, we already know how it's all going to end. Because the bigger side of this is not about a president, it's about a king who said he's coming, and you, listen, it matters, and you prayerfully consider as you cast your ballot, But I want you to hear me out. We're going to vote in someone that's president of a country when the king of the universe said it's going to rain. He's going to put an end to this whole thing. Why do we frantically, with urgency and awareness, build the church? Why do we do what we do? Because there's very few of us that are convinced he's coming back The world will be ending and every soul and every person under the sound of our influence, it matters whether or not we do this. So recognize the people you build it with and recognize the people you build it for. Pastor Jake, come help me close. Here's what I believe God told Noah, build this boat Build it big enough to where anybody that wants to get on board can get on board. So let me, let me, let me throw this out there real quick. I'm going to say the same thing to us. Anybody that wants to get on board can get on board. I don't care what you got going on in your life. There's room for you. Grace has made room for you on this boat. I wish I had a witness right now. I sense a tired spirit. I hope you're tired because you're busy building. I'm exhausted. I'm wore out. I'm I'm, I'm mentally heavy. My 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 mind is tired. But I have vowed to leave this planet exhausted for the kingdom of God. So I am going to work until Jesus appears. I'm going to work until the grave calls my name or Jesus calls me home. I need a witness right there. I'm gonna build this thing. I'm up for whatever. I just want y'all to know that. I'm up for whatever. I'll do this with y'all under this roof. I'll do it in the parking lot. I'll do it in somebody's field. I'll do it in a basement. I'll do, I'll, I'll do this anywhere you want to do it. All right, if, that, if this door to this right here never opens and we get kicked out in 60 days, we're going to creatively come up with a way to shindig somewhere for Jesus. Are you hearing me? Yes. Let me tell you what that statement does not mean. It doesn't mean we sit here and not get prepared. Doors open all the time and we miss them. I'm going to bust your bubble. The promotion did happen, but you weren't ready for it. That's why you didn't get picked. Stuff does happen. It does open. Doors do open. They do take, it does happen. It does rain. We gotta be ready for it when it does. I believe Noah was persuaded, whatever I do, I gotta make sure my crew is on board. And he did. He had his crew on board. So I want you to think, about what Noah found. And I wonder if you can find the same thing. Noah found his four. Think about it. What are you doing this for? He found his four. It was his wife. It was his kids. Sometime between when the boat project started and the boat project ended, the boys grew up. boys probably started helping him. And the boys got married and their wives probably started helping. Whole family was in on it. He got his crew on board. So whatever you do, get your crew on board with what God's doing. Where's your crew? Who's your crew? Are they on board? Are you on board? I can't, man. I struggle with alcohol. Uh, So did Noah. What you gonna do with that? Huh? Well, I like a little bit of potty every night. What, what you going to do with that? Come on, right. We're going to start making a list of things that disqualify you. We can talk about struggles all day long. We got to celebrate recovery on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock. We'll feed you yeah. dinner at 6. Yeah. <laughs> but I just want I, I to know, Pastor Derek, is it right or wrong? Maybe it's not a matter of what's right or wrong. Maybe it's a matter of what's wise or unwise. Is it, why, how, how well are you going to swing a hammer while you're drunk? Oh, you brought it up. See, what we do is we go, well, I can't, I can't be a part of that because of this, because of that, or, you know. Like. Do you believe it's going to rain or not, dude? Do you believe it matters whether or not you build this? Well, you know what Noah knew? It mattered to his kids whether or not he did it. It mattered to him. Hey, it mattered to us whether or not he did it. Here's a thought. Who is not even born yet that it matters to whether or not you do this? Who's not even here yet that's riding on you to finish what God put in your heart? I feel God right now. Are you hearing me? Some of you have been waiting on something. You've been waiting to get get on board with something that was really going somewhere. And God brought you to this church. I don't care how the heck you got here. I don't care how you got here. But you're supposed to be here. Because you're supposed to help build this thing. And in building this boat with me, it's gonna build your life. Yeah. It's gonna give you a reason to wake up and stay sober. It's gonna give you a reason to think positive. It's gonna give you a reason to stay married and put your kids in church. It's gonna give you something you didn't have before. Amen. Noah woke up every day with purpose. You know why? Because God slid him a plan and said, I want you to do this for me. And now the same finger points in your face today, and God says, I want you. No more excuses to do this for me. I want you to stand up with me right now.